0: Scribes and the Pharisees are hypocrites and they are shutting the kingdom of heaven up against men. Why? Because they're not even going there themselves. So how in the world are they gonna help anybody else enter in there?
1: Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you can pass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, ye make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the devil's discipleship. Hello and welcome to this episode of General Order Four. On today's episode, we're going to try and tackle a topic, and uh, we may not be able to get it all in one episode, but we're going to try. But uh, well, we've got a lot of uh, content that we want to get to today. We're going to be talking about um, the devil's discipleship and how he goes about doing that. I am joined, as usual, by Pastor Brian Stewart. Good day. And we are looking forward to diving into some of this content here. So, if you, uh, if you will, Pastor, we'll kind of um, let me just kind of lay the foundation of what we want to talk about, and then we'll get into sure. Um, each one of these things, we're going to walk through Matthew chapter 23. So if you have your Bible and you have the capacity to um, take a look at it, don't do so if you're driving, but if you have a Bible with you and we'll kind of walk through it, we'll read some scripture here, but we're going to walk through a good part of this chapter. And just contextually, so you know what we're talking about, Jesus is speaking directly to the scribes and Pharisees and calling them out On some things. And right in the middle of his speech that he is giving to them, he makes a reference to them teaching others in their own fallacy. And so I'm just going to read that verse real quick, and then we'll go through this chapter and kind of apply this verse throughout the chapter. It's found right in the heart of the chapter, right in the middle. In verse number 15, it says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye can pass sea and land to make one proselyte. And when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. And so we're going to walk through this whole chapter. We're going to talk about all the different things that these scribes and Pharisees were involved in doing. And as we do that, we're going to reference back to this verse, how it makes a point to say that the scribes and Pharisees are willing to compass sea and land in order to make one proselyte. Uh, Pastor Stewart, you had written down somewhere the definition of what that word proselyte meant. If you could just kind of explain that real quick.
0: Sure. Uh, uh, The Greek word uh, means a newcomer, a stranger, an alien, one who has come over from a Gentile religion to Judaism. And so somebody who was converted from a pagan
1: religion to
0: Judaism is what that word is referencing.
1: Right. And in this case, he's speaking specifically, not just of Judaism, but the scribes and Pharisees version of what Judaism looked like, okay? So these scribes and Pharisees were willing to do whatever it took to find someone to teach, not just to teach the law to, but to teach their way of doing things to. And as we look at this chapter, we're going to look at what exactly their way of doing things was. Because what we want to do is we want to draw a comparison between what we've been talking about in these last, you know, more than 40 episodes now about discipleship. And compare that to what the devil has running in his version of discipleship. Almost everything that God does, if not everything that God does, the devil has a counterfeit version of. And so today we're studying that counterfeit version of discipleship. And that's what we're finding here in these scribes and Pharisees, making a proselyte and making him twofold more the child of hell than themselves. All right. So uh, if we will, we're going to dive into the first thing. If Pastor Sure, if you want to address that, we find that in verse number three.
0: All right. So in verse number three, he says, all therefore whatsoever they bid you observe and that observe and do but do not ye after their works, for they say, and do not. And so he's talking to his disciples at this point, we find that out in verse one, and the multitudes, and he's warning them about the the Pharisees that sit in Moses' seats and the scribes. And he's giving us a a description here, and We're going to find that all through this chapter, that word hypocrite applies to just about every one of these things. Now, a hypocrite is an actor. An actor, it's somebody who is acting like they do one thing and they do another. And so he's describing them, and and he gives this description, they say and they do not.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Jesus is telling his disciples and his followers, the ones in the multitude that would be his followers, He's saying, I want you to observe and I want you to do. But these people, they say do this, but they don't do that. And so the first thing about the devil's teachers
1: are they don't practice what they preach. It reminds me of that is the story that Jesus tells about the two brothers. He tells the father goes and tells the two brothers to go work in the field. The one of them says that he'll do it and then doesn't. And the other one says that he won't, but he ends up going and doing it. And Jesus says that the one that said that he wouldn't do it, but did it, is far better than the one that said that he would do it, but didn't. And that's exactly what these men, these Pharisees are doing. But remember here, we're not just talking about them saying and not doing, but they're teaching others... To say and not do. They've got that convert, they've got that person that they are investing their life in, and that person is close to them and sees what they're doing and knows that they're saying and not doing, and there is taught to say and not do. Um, It makes me think often of people that we see these debaters, social media people, um, even pastors that will get on and they have a big front and they say a lot of things, and most of it controversial. Because they're after the attention, um, but when you actually take a hard look at their life, they're nothing like what they say or what they appear to be uh, in public on, a, on the platform or on the debate stage.
0: Yes, and I think it's also important to identify here that Jesus is warning here. I mean, again, this whole chapter is Jesus warning about this kind of behavior, and like you said, they uh, it's not just that these are people are doing these things. We need to identify that, but we want to make sure we don't become their student. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what Jesus is trying to get to here. He's saying, hey, I don't want I want you to observe and do uh, right. the things that I teach you, not just say that these are what God wants and then don't do
1: them. Yeah, and I think it's important to recognize, too, that because all of us are still in the flesh, we can all still have a tendency to do some of these things, even as we're discipling other people. You may, you know, we may not necessarily go anywhere near as far with it as these Pharisees do. But as a parent, I'm coming to understand that what I do, my children do more and worse. (laughs) And so I have to be very careful about the things that I say, the things that I do, especially when my children are around, because they will mimic me in far more obvious ways. And so the... Pharisees, you know they're they're doing things, telling other people to do it, and then the people are worse than they are, yes. and the people that they're that are teaching. But we have to be careful um, as as the disciple, as well as as the person that's learning, um, because the you know when you're teaching other people, they're going to be worse, and if you're getting your information and learning things from someone that you shouldn't, you're going to be in excess of what they are.
0: Yeah, yeah, we can kind of transition to the second one now, I think, because. I think this makes a good uh, time to look at it. Verse 5, he says, But all their works they do for to be seen of men. And so not only do they not practice what they preach, but like you were talking about uh, with the different persons, they, these people are doing things for the show. Mm-hmm. They want people to recognize, people to notice, and if uh, you'll find that they don't behave uh, as righteous when no one's around because why? There's no one to show off for. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so they're only going to do it for show. All their works, he says, they do for them to be seen of men. And so they're doing this, and their motive is to be seen of men, is to be recognized Mm -hmm. of men. And uh, I can't help but think that uh, this kind of uh, is the whole Facebook or Twitter or any of those social media platforms where somebody is so their, their whole life revolves around how many different followers or how many different friends or how many mm-hmm. different uh, connections they can make in that social media. And a lot of times the people that are doing those things are doing it to be seen of men right? and to be seen of mankind. And so the second aspect of the devil's teacher, the devil's student, is that they do things to be seen and, and recognized by man. They do it for show. Right. Which is exactly what a hypocrite is, right?
1: Right. Yeah, and that's, that's that third point. All throughout the chapter we see this, but um, I think the first time Christ directly says it to them is in verse 13. Uh, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. And he adds to that hypocrites with an exclamation point in the scripture. <laughs> and then we start seeing it almost every verse from here on out. Um, but he specifically refers to them as hypocrites or pretenders or actors, yeah. like you said. Um, these are people who look one way, act one way, but are another way in, in private when nobody's watching. And you know, the amazing thing about this, um, this proselyte that they would go out and they would get, um, we find an example of one of these proselytes later in the new Testament in Saul of Tarshish. And he is exactly that he is one of these proselytes and the, they, he, they brought him into this Sanhedrin. They, they they've begin to teach him, to instruct him. And guess what? He was twofold the child of hell that they were. They said a lot. They wanted to do a lot, but they didn't do a lot. Then they'd send Paul out and he started, or Saul at the time, and he started killing Christians. He started doing what they were talking about doing. He was twice as bad as they were. And so all of that that they were teaching and instilling in him came out to be twice as bad. And so that proselyte is a very real thing. But they were hypocrites, and they talked a big game, but they weren't doing anything. But that proselyte became twice as bad as they were. And you know, I, I as a parent, I've read a lot of things um, about parenting, and and um, you know, my wife and I have a lot of, have had a lot of conversations, and I've kept an eye on other people, um, teenagers that I people that I grew up with, and that kind of thing. And I can tell you that. Being a hypocrite as a Christian quite possibly is the most damaging thing that you can do as a parent yes. for your children because they see right through that. And then when they get out of the home, they want nothing to do with it or they're twice the hypocrite you were. And yeah. so it, it, it's, it's one of the most damaging things that you can do. And as a discipler. You don't want to do that either, and the devil's teacher is absolutely doing that. The devil's students are absolutely doing that, but those of us who are really, truly trying to disciple people, we have to be very careful that we aren't being hypocritical and teaching somebody else something that we ourselves aren't doing.
0: Yeah. If we note the the fourth thing, the fourth aspect of the devil's teacher uh, here, we find it in the second half of this verse, of verse thirteen. It's, he says, and he kind of describes for him, For ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. And just like you kind of made the point there with parenting, I think that's a beautiful illustration of what happens here is when we are a hypocrite, and we become uh, somebody who is going to shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. Mm-hmm. And what we're doing is we're actually driving them away what do people want they want real they want something that's true and real Mm -hmm. and significant uh they don't want to be they don't want to be lied to they don't want to be deceived uh, ultimately and so we see here that he's he's saying hey what is your behavior you're working against god Mm -hmm. god leaves uh, his children his believers his servants here to further his kingdom to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness And these people are doing just the opposite. They're working against God. Right,
1: And I think it's interesting that that shut up the kingdom. Obviously, you can't stop anybody from going to heaven that puts their faith in Christ. But what you can do is you can make it harder for them to put their faith in Christ. And in this case, the devil's teachers are obviously – they're trying to do that because they're instruments of Satan. Um, But we also, as teachers, and we're trying to do the best that we can do, if we are exclusive – rather than inclusive, we are shutting up the kingdom of God. Yeah. And I'm not saying, you know, be all, every, everybody be who you are and come in and, 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 you know, that worldly philosophy of everybody stays exactly the same. Nobody becomes more like Christ. That's not what I'm talking about. What I am talking about is when we set, certain things that aren't scriptural, higher than what we are teaching that is scriptural, we're becoming exclusive rather than inclusive, um, because the gospel is whosoever will may come.
0: Yeah. I think another interesting point here is when you look at the life, and and we have to look at scripture and its bigger picture, but the Pharisees were under the impression that they were seeking the kingdom of heaven, that they were going to be a part of this kingdom. And they they felt like they were not only going to be a part of it, but they were going to be prominent in the kingdom. But mm-hmm. notice what Jesus says here in verse 13. He says, for ye neither go in yourselves.
1: Mm-hmm. So these
0: people, uh, to use New Testament terminology, they're not even saved. Uh, yeah. They think they are. They think they're serving God. They think, And it goes back to when we have the passage where Jesus says, that uh, they're going to come in and say that, hey, we've done this in your name, and we've cast out demons in your name, and we've healed in your name, and all this. And he says, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, for I, know, I don't know you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so here we see this group of people that is, again, identified. These are the devil's teachers, the devil's students. And the scribes and the Pharisees are hypocrites, and they are shutting the kingdom of heaven up against men. Why? Because they're not even going there themselves. So how in the world are they going to help anybody else enter in there? They're yeah. they're entering in at the broad gate, not the not the narrow gate.
1: Right, and um, you know that kind of leads us right into that. That next point, um, you know, well, actually, two points ahead of us, I guess, where he starts talking about blind guides. Um, before we get into the blind guides, though, um, we'll take another look at verse 15 where he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you can pass sea and land to make one proselyte. And when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Um, I think we all understand that misery loves company, right? <clears throat> so people who are living in sin, Do we understand from Scripture that there is pleasure in sin for a season? Yeah, absolutely. But that season ends, and then they become miserable, and what do they begin to do? They begin to try and get everybody else involved in what they are doing that they possibly can. You know, uh, what's interesting about sin is almost always it starts in secret. It's something yeah. that you do by yourself because you're ashamed of it and you don't want anybody to you just see, see you doing it. And so you do it in secret, but before long it becomes open and not only are you doing it out in the open, but you're encouraging other people to be involved in it. And so this, these Pharisees, they are willing to compass sea and land to make one proselyte or to get one other person involved in their sin. And the scripture says that when he is made, when you've got that person involved, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. He becomes twice as bad. And then guess what he's going to end up doing? Continuing that chain. But what's God's method of discipleship? God's method of discipleship, as we've talked about throughout this podcast, the method that he illustrated for us himself while Jesus Christ was here on earth, was that he invested himself in other people. And then those people were supposed to invest the life of Christ into more people. And the same thing, one person teaches the next, teaches the next, teaches the next. And so the devil has taken that model and he has copied it and he has corrupted it. So that now these scribes and Pharisees, they are doing the same thing. But instead of lifting people up to Christ's level, they're bringing people down to their level and pushing them even further down. Um, and so that they're, they're crossing, they're compassing seed land to do that. They're willing to do whatever it takes to bring other people down to their level. My dad and I were recently on a trip. We were talking about politics and, and, and different things that are going on in the world. One of the things that he said was that you never make yourself taller by knocking somebody else down. Hmm. You just make someone else look shorter than you. Yeah. And, that, and that's what's going on across the world. Rather than trying to actually help lift people up, we're just knocking people down um, and trying to make everybody level by making everybody shorter. You know, yeah. and then, and that's silly. It doesn't help anybody. It just makes those that are taller shorter. And so, what these Pharisees are doing is instead of lifting themselves up and getting closer to Christ's level, they're trying to knock everybody else around them down to make themselves look better.
0: Yeah. In verse sixteen, we can transition to the next, the seventh point, and and I think it's very interesting. Notice how Jesus refers to them. He calls them a blind guide. Now I don't know about you. I mean, there's. I think it would be good to have guides for the blind, but I don't know that I would want a guide to lead me through somewhere that's blind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it goes back to the fact that he has told them that uh, that they don't uh, they don't know themselves the way mm-hmm. to the kingdom of heaven, and so they're blind guides. They're trying to lead people to a place they've never been and they don't know. Mm -hmm. And so he says that they're blind guides and that they strain in a gnat and swallow a camel. And so he talks about that in verse uh, 16. He talks about that in verse 24 as well. Uh, He calls them blind guides and that they strain in a gnat and swallow a camel. And then in verses 17 and 19, he calls them fools and blind. And so in this whole little section here, we see that they've got this inability to understand and know where they're going, what they're doing or why they're doing it or how they're doing it. They don't know how to get there themselves and they certainly cannot help others to get there. Mm-hmm. And their whole their whole purpose is they it looks from the outside like this is really important stuff. But we find out that it's they're missing the whole point and they don't they don't they're not getting the important stuff.
1: Right. Uh, Verse 23 says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. So Jesus is saying at the very last verse there, he says, These ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. In other words, he's saying what you're doing isn't bad. You ought to pay your tithe. But the other side of things, you've totally ignored law, judgment, mercy, and faith. In other words, they've made a big deal out of paying the tithe because it's a physical thing. Why do they care about the physical thing being done? Because that's something that can be seen of men, which we've already talked about. So everybody sees them paying the tithe of mints and anise and cumin, but nobody sees what they are doing in the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, faith. Those are the things that go unseen. Those are the things, um, but they are the more weighty matters. So what they're doing is they are conflating important and unimportant issues. They're mixing what's important with what's unimportant or making the mm-hmm. unimportant more important than what is important. So, like he says, in a very vivid word picture, he's saying they strain at a gnat but swallow a camel. Think of it um, like, like you said in, in private before we started recording. You're eating uh, a salad or whatever it is that you're eating, and you've got a gnat that keeps landing on your food. So you keep shooing away the gnat, but then you proceed to swallow a whole camel that's in that food. Now, that's the most ridiculous word picture that you can possibly imagine. But that's the point. The point is that big thing that they should have been getting away from their food. They weren't bothering with, but they're shooing away that little gnat. And so he's saying that you are acting that way. You're a blind guide. You are omitting the things that you should be looking out for. And you're you are straining over the small things that anybody can do that anybody can see, you know, one of the easiest things, I don't know why it's such an issue. Um, but we, and most churches spend way too much time talking about money because it's, it, it like he says here, it is the nat issue. The money issue solves itself when you take care of the big issues. And that's yeah. what he's, that's what he's talking about. You take care of law, judgment, mercy, and faith just mercy and faith alone takes care of the money issue because the money issue is a faith thing, isn't it? Most people say, if I gave my 10% tithe, the reason they say they don't tithe is because they can't afford to. Well, that's a lack of faith, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a lack of faith and a lack of willingness to trust God, to obey him and what he says to do. And so when we teach his people to obey him and trust him, uh, that money issue is already resolved Mm -hmm. because it fits within that realm and he and the holy spirit is going to guide and direct that person in those areas
1: um and so that leads us kind of into that next point in verse number 25 um he talks about how these blind guides they have a lack a total lack of control due to a dirty heart and he gives the illustration of a cup that's clean on the outside and the platter is clean on the outside, but on the inside it's filthy and it says that it's full of extortion and excess. Yeah, those
0: words extortion and excess, when you look those up uh, in the Greek, uh, extortion means spoiling. So the inside is all spoiled, but the outside looks good. I don't know if you've ever been looking for like a watermelon or some kind of vegetable and the outside may look really good, and you cut into it, and it's like, whoa, baby, we shouldn't have gone there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, you know, that's what you're dealing with. These these Pharisees, these teachers, the devil's teachers, they're more interested in what the outside looks like than what the inside is. And uh, you know what? Uh, that can creep into just about any church or any group of people. We need to be very careful that we're not more concerned about the outside than we are the inside. Mm-hmm. And then notice he uses not only the word uh, extortion there, but he uses the word excess. And excess, that word carries with it the idea of a lack of control. And then you want to really get gross, it also carries with it the idea of incontinence. Mm-hmm. And remember, we're not dealing with, uh, we're dealing with uh, not a, a baby here who has incontinence, but we are dealing with an adult that is thinking they're an adult, but they're not. And I can tell you, in, in dealing with some of the elderly that I've dealt with and I've been around, th- that can be a very disgusting thing. Uh, uh, you know, and it's, it's unfortunate that we as humans have to experience that. But that's the picture that he's saying is on the inside of these the devil's teachers when they are focused on the outside when they don't practice what they preach when they do things for show they work against god not for him they devour people they uh they try and and go to great lengths to make people a disciple of 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 their kingdom but not a disciple of the lord and uh, they're blind and they're foolish and they they get the big things uh, out of whack, and the little things, they they make big things out of. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, Christ says that it's not what's on the outside of a man that defiles him, but what's on the inside that defiles a man. And what he's talking about here is he gives this illustration of this dirty cup. If the cup on the inside of the cup is, is filthy, and then you pour pure, clean water into that cup, and you take a drink out of it, the water that you're going to be drinking is no longer pure and clean. No matter how much water you pour into it, it's, it's it's still going to be dirty because the cup itself is dirty. It has not been washed. It has not been cleaned out. And so it's going to be dirty. And so these people have a lack of control They're full of excess. That's that lack of control or incontinence because on the inside, they're filthy. If on the inside you're filthy, you cannot help but have filth come out on the outside. And so in order to mask that filth coming out on the outside, they make it look a little bit different. So they begin to teach others to be the same way so that they look better. That's what we talked about earlier. And they also um, are, they are hypocrites. They speak a good game. They talk a good game. They act a good game, but their actions and activities are still filthy. And that's why Jesus looked at them and he could point out very easily this, 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 and this that was wrong with him because everybody could see it. After a while, you can't hide it anymore. That lack of control tells on you.
0: Yeah, verse 28, he actually says that, even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men. And so you've, he's telling them, you've fooled men. You've fooled mankind. But within, ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Hypocrisy is acting like something we're not. And he says they're full of that. But he also says this word iniquity. And when you do a study on the word iniquity, you find out that iniquity and sin are not, they're, they're very closely related, but they're not the same thing. Sin is transgression of the law. Iniquity has to do with our heart attitude and our heart being in tune with God or not in tune. And when there's iniquity in our heart, it's referring to the rebelliousness in our heart. And he's saying that you're not, you're not in fellowship with me. You're not in tune with me. Your heart attitude is not right, and it is full of iniquity, which is a is the sin of, of not having a right heart towards God. And also he's saying here about the hypocrisy. So you're pretending to be righteous, but you're full of just wickedness and excess and, and all of those other things that he's identified mm-hmm. for him here. And he says it's men look at you and they think you're righteous. But I know different. And God's saying he knows differently, and God identifies. And Jesus, he's spending this whole time with his disciples right there, and he wants them to know, hey, this is how you identify. These behaviors tell you that this is is what this person really is. They Mm -hmm. may look good on the outside, but on the inside, it's all messed up.
1: Yeah, I think an easy illustration of the difference between sin and iniquity there would just be that, Sin is the person who doesn't stop at the stop sign because they didn't see the stop sign. Okay? They're still breaking the law. They're still transgressing against the command of the government to stop. Iniquity is the person who sees the stop sign and doesn't care and chooses to cross the stop sign because their heart attitude is that they're going to cross that stop sign without stopping. Okay? So, in the life of these Pharisees, these aren't people who didn't know. They knew the law better than anybody. But they were choosing not to obey the law, although they were being hypocrites, they made it look like they were obeying the law, but they were choosing not to obey the law and not to obey the spirit of the law, even though they knew it, because in their heart, they were dirty, they were filthy, they were corrupt. And the, like I said earlier, the inside of that dirty cup can't help but pour out dirty water. And so then, in an effort to make themselves look better and feel better, We find in verses 29 through 31, um, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because ye build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous, and say, If we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore, ye ye be witnesses unto yourselves that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. So Jesus is, is saying here, Look, They believe themselves to be better than a generation that came before. Now, I'm just going to come out and say it. This is the biggest problem that my generation is currently facing. My generation of Christians. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about Christians. My generation of Christians thinks that they're better than the previous generations of Christians. I know that from personal experience as well as from seeing it in other people and hearing it on social media and different things that are written that are said. Um, we have found some new understanding of something that we think we've found in scripture that makes us smarter and better than the previous generation. I think every generation does this at some point. Um, but what I'm seeing, uh, social media and different outlets is a lot of people my age who are seeing something and they're looking at the previous generations and they're calling out previous generations for legitimate hypocrisy sometimes, and sometimes not but they don't see it in themselves. And that's what these Pharisees are doing. They're saying they're looking at those previous generations and they're saying, if we'd been in that generation, we never would have done that. But they're not seeing the very same traits in their own lives. The the, the ironic thing here is that they're saying they wouldn't have killed the prophets, but they're about to kill the greatest prophet of all time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, verses thirty-one to thirty-six, Jesus actually kind of reminds them of the truth and and says otherwise. Uh, they said that they, they thought they were better. But yet, at the same time, he reminds them that uh, their quote-unquote greatness and the end of it is in verse uh, 36. He says, Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. And so he's pretty much putting them in their place. And and like you said, every generation needs to be careful that we don't think that we're better than the generation ahead of us, Uh, although none of the generations ahead of us were perfect. Mm -hmm. So there's always something that we can find to nitpick about, but we need to be careful that uh, we don't think we're better, and then, uh, as this group did, uh, not realize that they're hypocrites as well. And their hypocrisy is actually even worse because it's combined with all of that. Verse right. 37 and 38, uh, he kind of brings this to a culmination, and he's lamenting, and he's saying, "Oh, O oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathered her chickens under her wings, and ye would not they wouldn't allow him behold your house is left unto you desolate what a what a tragic end what a tragic conclusion that but here we see what the when we follow the devil and we do things his way and uh we're his teachers or we're his students it leaves us and it it leaves god in a situation where god can't rescue us because we won't put our faith and trust in him and what we really see here is the pompousness of of these people who are so arrogant, they're so ostentatious that they they don't even realize the, the, the destruction and the desolation that is coming upon them. Mm-hmm. Jesus here standing to them, talking to them this day is trying to uh, help them to come to conclusion, to come to terms with that, and they, they're just not going to do it. They're not going to hear what he has to say which is a sad thing.
1: Yeah, and, and remember what we're talking about here, we pulled from verse number 15, and it talks about how we have the devil's teachers and the devil's students. And remember that Jesus said that they fooled men. They fooled everyone. Everyone looks at them and they think that they're such righteous people. But the truth of the matter is they're not. And the only way, the only person who can see through it is the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's apply that. The only way you and I are going to be able to see these kinds of people is by looking at them through the lens of God's word, through the lens of Christ. That's the only way that you can spot somebody like this. But hang on, we'll take it one step further than that. If you don't want to be a hypocrite yourself, you have to turn the lens of God's word on yourself first and see in what ways am I doing these 11 things? in what ways am I in fact being an instrument of Satan in someone else's life? You may not even be aware of it, but the truth is when we give into our flesh, we can be an instrument of Satan. And so we as, as disciples trying to disciple other people as also as the one who's being the learner have got to be very careful to make sure that we're applying this lens of scripture to our own lives, that we aren't being hypocritical, that we aren't being exclusive instead of inclusive, that we aren't devouring others or or putting on a show or putting on airs for other people or guiding people blindly into error um, or trying to get other people knocked down or involved in our own sin to make ourselves feel better or look better. Uh, we've got to make sure that we are are keeping this lens of Scripture on ourselves, and that way then we aren't hypocritical in applying the same lens to other people. And so we just wanted to kind of turn the microscope in a different direction today and take a look at the devil's teachers, the devil's students, and the devil's version of a corrupted discipleship um, as we continue our discussion about true discipleship. So thanks again uh, so much for listening to this episode, and uh, we appreciate that very much. I'll give you the information to share this episode with other people if it was a blessing to you or opened your eyes to something. Uh, feel free to reach out to us. I'll give you the information to do that as well in The Sting. Um, so thank you again so much for listening. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you again next week. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of General Order 4. On next week's episode, we will continue this discussion about discipleship. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to us by email at generalorder4 at gmail.com. That's F-O-U-R. Or on Twitter, at General Order, the number 4. Please like, share, comment, and subscribe.